Amen. Peter had a problem putting his foot into his mouth quite often. He had athlete's tongue from it. Uh, it was really a problem that um, many of us guys can have from time to time, sometimes women also. Even so, he was the leader of the apostles back in the day. He led the early church. He was the Jewish leader of the early church, the early Christian church back um, in Jesus' time. He is second to Jesus in um, his name being pointed out in the Gospels. So the Gospels talk about Jesus, 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 but Peter is second and the name being brought up over and over again in the Gospels. So to get an idea of who Peter is, we should begin at the beginning, and we should look at when Jesus first met Peter in John chapter 1, where John the Baptist was with two of his disciples. And Jesus showed up um, the day after he was baptized by John the Baptist, and John said, behold, the Lamb of God. And his disciples heard that. And they were like, oh, the Lamb of God. That's who we're waiting for, the Lamb of God. So they went to follow Jesus. They wanted to see who Jesus was and if he really was the Lamb of God. And then in John chapter 1, verse 40, we're told, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found out, uh, found his own brother Simon, and said to him, "We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ." And he brought him to Jesus. And now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, "You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone." So, Andrew told Simon they had found the Messiah. And the seed had now been planted in Peter's mind, in Simon's mind, that this is the Messiah. You know, and the thing is, when we meet people and they tell us something about themselves that we didn't know before, we look to investigate to see if the characteristic that they tell us about them is true. So when someone says, oh, this man is very, very friendly and very welcoming and, and has such a, a warm heart, and then you go and meet that person, and they're like, eh, get away from me, you know? It's like, wow, that guy doesn't reflect what other people told me about him. Well, Peter is now told that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, Peter knows who the Messiah is, that he's expected to come. So he didn't know specifically who the Messiah was, but he was expecting the Messiah to come because he's Jewish. He was raised Jewish. He knew everything that he was taught in the synagogue about the Messiah. And so here he was told, this is the Messiah. So the first thing I think Peter is going to do is go up 
and find out as much as he can about who this Messiah is, who this person, Jesus, is. One thing we don't know is how long Peter spent with Jesus on that day. You see, we read that Jesus gave him a new name and said, okay, now your name is Cephas, which is Peter, and it means a stone. And so he gave him the new name. And I don't think Peter said, okay, well, nice to meet you and have a good day. And he left. I don't think that's what happened. Okay, I think they probably hung out together. They went to dinner together as a group and and fellowship together, and they learned about each other. You see, we don't have all those details. There are many details in the Bible that we don't have about conversations Jesus had with others and relationships that were built. Like with you know, many of the apostles, we heard who they were, but we don't know anything else about them after that. It, but we have to assume that they had a relationship with Jesus, just like Peter, James, and John did, but not maybe as close, but a different kind of relationship with Jesus. But they were all uh, disciples of Jesus. So Peter, James, and John were, well, Peter was the vocal one. You know, so, you know, there's always, when you have a group of people, there's always one guy that's like the vocal one, right? And so, I know some of you are looking at me right now saying, that's you, Pastor. You could turn to Luke chapter 5. I'll let that go. And we see that they meet up with Jesus again. And in Luke chapter 5, in verse 1, we read, So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And this is Jesus we're speaking of here. And saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them, and they were washing their nets. And then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And as he sat down and taught the people from the boat, which... Uh, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon Peter had already cleaned the nets. They were cleaning them, okay? Meaning that they were out there fishing all night and now it's daytime because Jesus isn't out there preaching at night and, you know, it's daytime now. And they brought the nets in and they were cleaning the nets because it's, that's what you have to do. Every time you go fishing, you have to bring the nets back in and you have to clean them. So um, you don't fish in the daytime because the fish aren't near the surface of the water. You fish at night when the fish come up to the surface and then you put the nets in and you can scoop the fish out. It's easy. Well, Jesus first led the people with the spiritual food that they needed to hear. And he fed them from the boat and preached to them and shared with them the word of God. And then he told Peter to launch out into the deep. Notice he didn't say to Peter, launch out into the deep and let's hope you can catch something this time. He said, 
Let's launch out into the deep for a catch. He was telling Peter, we're going to go catch some fish. This is what we're going to do. And Peter was the fisherman. Jesus wasn't the fisherman. As a matter of fact, probably when they had talked the first time and they met and they sat and they ate together and everything, Peter probably knew that Jesus was a carpenter. And so if the boat needed some repairs, Jesus would have come in handy. But as a fisherman, probably that wasn't one of the things in Jesus' wheelhouse. He probably didn't have that skill set. And verse 5, it says, But Simon answered him and said, Master, we've been toiling all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. And so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled the boats so that they began to sink. See, Peter originally met Jesus at the Jordan where John was baptizing, and he hadn't made a commitment to Jesus yet. I'm sure he was just getting familiar with who Jesus was. It wasn't that Jesus then at that point said, okay, Peter, you're going to become my apostle and we're going to... That hadn't happened. They probably had some conversation and we don't know how far that conversation went, but now Jesus shows them who he is. And Peter and Andrew are in one boat. James and John are in the other boat. There are more than just them. There are crews that are with them. They had fishing crews. It wasn't just the two guys in each boat. They had crews that were with them as this is what happened. And then in verse 8 it says, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. I just love that. Peter, depart from me. He's telling, he's calling him Lord, and he's saying, Depart from me. I, I mean... Peter sets the rules right off the bat, right? Okay, so for he and all who are with him, so he and all who are with them, these are the other uh, crew members, were all astonished at the catch of fish which they, they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were the partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And so when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Peter was reluctant at first. Master, we toiled all night and we've caught nothing. But Peter recognized something about Jesus enough to trust him over his own experience and his own fishing knowledge. Is that true for us? Do we trust Jesus over our own experience? I mean, Jesus lived 2,000 years ago. He didn't have computers and TVs, and so how could he possibly be able to help us? You know, it, it, he didn't have the internet, you know? So, you know, he is the original Al Gore. See, he created the internet. See, he created everything. And the thing is, 
is that we sometimes think in our modern world, Jesus doesn't have an understanding of our modern world, but Jesus has an understanding of everything. There's nothing that is outside of his understanding. And so we sometimes are the problem when we think ourselves so much more knowledgeable or so much more experienced than Jesus when it, it, it comes to the problems that we're going through. Peter and the others were willing to give up all they knew. Th this was their livelihood. This is how they kept their families fed. This is how they took care of everything, all their bills, everything was taken care of by this business that they had. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they were in business together. And it says that they forsook all and followed him. See, Peter also recognized that he was a sinful man and he fell down before Jesus and said, I, I am a sinful man, depart from me because I'm a sinner. That tells me also that Peter understood that Jesus wasn't a sinful man. You see, as a sinful man, I'm not gonna fall down in front of a sinful man and, you know, ask, you know, depart from me. See, because it's just another sinful man. But Peter knew at that point that this was not a sinful man. That Jesus was someone different. And he recognized the fact that in the presence of Jesus, his sins were exposed. That's the toughest thing, I think, for us as humans, as Christian believers. The toughest thing for us is to recognize that Jesus is so pure, so perfect, that he exposes our sin. He reveals even the deepest, darkest things that are in our heart that aren't pure. And I know that in my life, Jesus revealed so much to me. No, I'm not going to explain it all to you because it was personal. He was revealing it to me so that I can get rid of it. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it on my own. I needed him to help me get rid of that stuff. And I know Peter is the same way. Here's Peter. He's just a fisherman. He's just a rough guy. And, and you know, here he is having his sin exposed by Jesus. And it, he didn't do anything sinful in front of Jesus. But here's the thing. As we have a relationship with Jesus Christ and we walk with him on a regular basis, he's going to reveal that sin to us so that we can pray about it and ask to be forgiven of it and ask to get rid of it. You know, I, I could ask for forgiveness every day. I was Catholic, I did. And it didn't help. I still continued doing it. Week after week, I still continued living in sin, just figuring, okay, on Sunday I can go to church and, and get rid of it. It doesn't work that way. 
How can we continue in sin so that grace may abound? We can't. And that's why Jesus reveals it to us so that we can identify it, get rid of it, and then be cleansed. And the closer I get to Jesus in my walk, the closer you get to Jesus in your walk, the more he reveals. And as he keeps revealing these things, he's purifying you. Now, we're not going to be perfected until the day he takes us home. You know, and then he will. The work that he started in us will be completed at that time. But up until that time, we're still a mess. We still have sin. You know, and we're not wanting to live in that sin, but because we're in the flesh, it happens. But we know we have a high priest, such a great high priest, that will forgive us at any time. All we have to do is ask, and he'll forgive us. So here is Peter, and he bows before Jesus. He was a sinful man, and he knew better. And when presented with an invitation to follow Jesus, he gave it all up and followed him completely. How much have you given up to follow Jesus? Have you given him 40% of your lives? 50? Some of you may be saying 75%. I gave 75% of my life for him. It's not enough. We have to give all of our lives to him. That's why we're told that we have to die daily. We have to take up our cross daily because our lives are not our own anymore. They were paid for with the price, the price of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And that's how much of our lives he deserves. All of them. All of our lives. So, are you willing to give up your life for Christ? Peter was. And this tells us a little about his character. It's easy to read a letter from someone, and when you read the letter from someone, you understand the words. There are people I read letters from, or you read a book, and you kind of get an idea of what they're writing about. But when you know the person, it's much different. My, my brother is an author, and he writes things. I don't recommend them to everyone because uh, he's not a believer in his work, but I read his books sometimes, and I know deeper the story, even though they're fiction, I know the storyline, I understand it because I know my brother. And I understand where he's coming from. I understand his thought process, I understand the, his life, and it makes it easier for me to understand his books. And with... Peter's writing of this letter, these letters, we understand him better, we're going to understand his letter better. We're going to understand what he was writing into the letter, what's behind the letter that we don't see right out in the open. And it will make us um, um, apply it better also because we know how he applied it in his life. So um, we know that Peter spent quality time with Jesus. He saw Jesus at his best. Jesus was always at his best. 
There was never any bad days with Jesus. And, and although the world would look and, and see the life of Jesus and say, you know what, he did have lots of, there were, he had lots of problems. He had lots of trouble. There were people that hated him, wanted to kill him. He had all kinds of problems. But Jesus never thought they were problems. They were opportunities. And our problems here on this earth are not problems for Jesus. God is not perplexed by the things that we're going through in our lives. God is not saying, oh, now what am I going to do? You know, the plan is already done. It's already worked out. We're leaving here, entering into eternity, and it's a done deal. When we invite Jesus Christ into our lives, we enter into eternity. It's not when we die we enter into eternity. When we invite Jesus into our lives, we enter into eternity. And so we can take that and make it part of our lives in such a way that regardless of who is coming at us with whatever attitudes or whatever anger and bitterness they come at us with, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus. And with the way you're coming at me, you're staying here, pal. You know, but we don't have to say that. Um, But we can sure think it. But then we can share the love of Jesus Christ and how we handle those situations. They may repent and believe. And we may actually win someone to Christ by how we handle a bad situation. But either way, it may not get any better for that person, but we know where our home is. We know where our hope is. I think that's how Peter was living his life. Another story in Peter's life, after feeding the 5,000 in the wilderness, the 5,000 men, and then there's women and children besides, after feeding them, Jesus sends the apostles to Capernaum. He says, get in the boat, go over there. And they're trying to, but then the storm comes up and they couldn't make headway and they were just you know, struggling just to stay afloat. And here's Jesus taking a stroll out on the water, walks up to the boat. And as he's walking up, it's like they're all panicking. They're all afraid. What is a ghost? And Jesus said, hey, don't be afraid. Jesus said that a lot. (laughs) Don't be afraid. And here's another one of those times. Don't be afraid. It's me. And Peter jumps up and says, well, if it's you, command me to come. And Jesus said, okay, come. And he got out of the boat and he started walking on water toward Jesus. He he was walking on water. It wasn't he stepped out and he sank and Jesus said, you fool. No, he was doing it until he got his eyes off of Jesus and he started looking at his circumstances. Hold on, I'm out in the water and the wind's blowing and the waves are crashing on me and... I shouldn't be out here. I can't do this. 
How often does that happen to us? Where we think we can't do something because things don't look like they're right. Like this is what I'm supposed to be. But if that's where God has led us, then that's where we're supposed to be, even if it's messy. Even if it's not what we expect. Peter didn't expect the things that Jesus was doing. But he went with it. Come on, command me to walk on the water and I'll do it. You see, he had the attitude that Jesus could do anything. And so he was willing to do whatever Jesus told him to do. Until, of course, he took his eyes off of Jesus and then he started to sink. And when he saw that it was boisterous and that he was sinking, he said, Lord, save me. And in Matthew 14, 31, it says, and immediately Jesus stretched out his hands and caught him and said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. It's like, you know, you are so worried about that wind. I was there, and not only did I save you out of the water, but I controlled the wind too, and I stopped that from happening. Only one of the apostles got out of the boat, Peter. The only one. All the rest of them were saying, well, you know, it was nice knowing Peter. And, you know, so maybe we'll have to find someone else. They weren't willing to get out of the boat, but Peter was willing to get out of the boat. He was willing to take that first step. And I think that tells us a little bit about Peter. He was willing to take a chance at any time. He was willing to do what the other guys weren't willing to do. They had all seen the same miracles that Jesus was performing. But for some reason, Peter was always willing to push the envelope. He wanted to be part of what Jesus was doing. And here Jesus was walking on the water, and he said, I want to be part of that. I want to be walking on the water with Jesus. And he he didn't get too far. We've gone over this before. He began to sink because of the waves and the wind, and then he cried out, Jesus, save me. And Jesus said, Oh, you of little faith, swim! No, he didn't say that. He said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? But what he did first was he saved him. He pulled him out of the water, put him in the boat, and calmed the wind. You see, I'm sure that pulling him out of the water, putting him in the boat, but if the wind was still going and the boat was still rocking, it still would have shaken him, but he calmed the wind too and made it all peaceful. And then he said, why did you doubt? And doubt is what causes us to sink. And Peter thought, he had what it took to walk on water. And quite often we do that. We step out into the water and we start to walk, but then we say, what am I doing walking on water? 
But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. But we have to believe that, not just repeat it, you know, out of a book. We need to believe that in our hearts. And when we read Psalm 119, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. When we hide that word in our heart, it becomes part of our lives and it's reflected in how we approach things. And so that's what we should be doing is hiding these nuggets of scripture in our hearts to help us to walk along and to be doing what Jesus wants us to do. I believe this is another way that Jesus was building faith in Peter and the other apostles. They were all looking at Peter and they were learning from the mistakes Peter made. They were like, well, won't do that, you know. But Peter was the one that stepped out in faith time after time. After his experience on the water, they make it to Capernaum. And when they get there, they um, left the crowd behind. Well, the crowd all went to find out where Jesus was. And they come to Capernaum. They find out that he's there, and they, they come, and they flit. And they come to Jesus looking for a meal. Jesus said, you're not here to hear from me. You're here because you want another meal. And he calls them out on it. And he said, you're going to need to eat my flesh and drink my blood, you know, if you're going to follow me. And that was too much for them. And at that point, they all left because it was too... He wasn't speaking literally. He was speaking spiritually. And because they weren't in the mood to be spiritual, they wanted food, they all left. And they didn't walk with him after that time. It says in John six sixty six. from that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You see, once again, Peter becomes the spokesman for the group, telling Jesus, there is no one else. There is no other place we can go because you have the words of life. You are the son of the living God. And so there is no other place that we can possibly go on the night of the Last Supper, Jesus took a towel and a basin and he started washing the apostles' feet. This was a job, a task that was assigned to the lowest of servants to wash the feet of the guests during the Last Supper. And so here Jesus is washing the feet. I can only imagine Peter being there and watching, oh, 
Andrew, you get your feet washed. John, look at John having Jesus wash his feet. And, and, and then Jesus says, okay, Peter, your turn. And Peter said, not so, Lord. You're not going to wash my feet. Uh, Peter, uh, you know, had an attitude that, you know, he knew who the Lord was, and he had this religious attitude about things, you know. And, and sometimes we can do the same thing. We can do things in a religious way, and we can say, okay, that's not part of um, your concern, Lord. This is part of my life and, you know, my baggage, whatever. I, I don't want to get you involved in this part of my life. You're too good to be involved in this part of my life. But Jesus wants to be involved in every part of our lives. And so at that point, Jesus, uh, Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Peter said that to Jesus, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus tells Peter, if I do not wash your feet, you have no part with me. And Peter says, well then, not just my feet, but my hands and my head also. <laughs> Peter, man, he's a flip-flopper. It's like all or nothing with Peter. You know, no, you can't do that. Oh, I, that's what I, okay then, everything. You know, and wash my car. It, you know, it's like, with Peter, you never know what's going to happen. But I understand his heart. I understand because there are so many times in my life that I've tried to block God out of an area of my life. And then when I realized that it was only hurting me, I willingly wanted to give up that part of my life because I wanted to have that restored relationship with Jesus. I wanted to have that renewed you know, relationship. And that was the only way I was going to get to it. Remember when uh, Jesus asked his apostles, but who do you say I am in Matthew 16, 15? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter knew that Jesus was the son of the living God. And, and Jesus answered him and said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Blessed was Peter. Peter had this revealed to him. God revealed something that most of the people on the earth didn't know, that Jesus was the son of the living God. The Pharisees and Sadducees didn't know. They were missing out on who Jesus is. But Peter knew because it was revealed to him. It wasn't because Peter had some supernatural sense. It was because God had revealed it to him. And then Jesus tells his apostles about his death and resurrection. He says, you know what, and I'm, I'm going to die, but in three days later, I'm going to be resurrected from the dead. And in Matthew 16, 22, we read, Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. <laughs> Lord, you know, look, far be it from you, Lord, this should not happen to you. Peter is rebuking the Son of God. And 
Yeah, of course, because Peter knows what God should be doing or not doing, right? You know, Peter was aware of all of this. So he rightly identifies the Son of God, but he wrongly identifies his position with the Son of God. And in verse 23, it says, but he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Peter went from being blessed by God because you have been revealed as to being, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. That happens to us. Maybe not you, but it happens to me. You see, because I... Sometimes I'm concerned about men over God, just like Peter was. If I lose my focus with who God is and I care more about what men say, then I get caught up in that same thing. And it's important for us to realize that it's not about what anyone else thinks. It's about what God thinks. And everyone else can be wrong. But I'm not going to go down that road. I'm going to follow what God says. I'm going to follow the truth all the time. Sometimes the truth doesn't sound right because everyone else says something else. Sometimes the truth sounds like that contradicts what everyone else is saying. But as long as it's what God's saying, then it's the right thing. And all the world can believe one thing, but I am going to believe what the Lord has told me through his word. And I believe Peter was learning that. So some of the other things that um, Peter uh, did in his life. He cut off the ear of Malchus, the high priest's servant, when uh, you know they came to arrest Jesus. He's a fisherman. He's not a swordsman. He was going for the whole head. He got the ear. I don't think he was just trying to get him piece by piece. But that's who Peter was. He was impulsive. He had the sword. He took it out. And Jesus was like, Peter, put the sword away. You know, that's not my father's will. I'm doing my father's will. You just put the sword away. Everything's going to be fine. Jesus told Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter denied Jesus three times and lived to tell about it. You see, that's grace. That's how much love Jesus has for all of us, each of us, that we can deny him. Peter spent time with him, lived with him, ate with him, and still was able to deny him three times. Blessed are those who have seen and believed, but even more blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That's us. 2,000 years later, we believe not because we've seen with our eyes, but because we've seen with our hearts. 
He stood up against the Pharisees and Sadducees when he was brought into court about preaching Jesus. And he said, how can I do anything else? This is what I am going to do. And I, I'm either going to deny Jesus or I'm going to, you know, I, I'm going to ignore you. And I think I'll ignore you. I, I might have paraphrased a little bit, but here's the thing. The idea is that Peter was sold out for the Lord to the point where he was crucified for his faith and not even crucified the same way Jesus, he wouldn't be. He was crucified upside down because he said, I'm not even worthy to be crucified the same way that my Lord was. And that's the life of Peter, that we can understand, we can get a deeper understanding of who he was. He was just another human. But he was loved by Jesus, and he loved Jesus, and he lived his life for Jesus. And that's what we want to do with our lives. On the road to Emmaus, Jesus returned from the dead and walked with two disciples and shared with them all about him. And their eyes were opened. And they were excited because he disappeared and they had to go back and say, we've seen Jesus. And they ran back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples, and it says in Luke 24, 33, so they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. The Lord appeared to Simon. You see, we don't know what took place during that interaction. But I believe that Jesus went to Simon Peter and told him, it's okay. You know, I forgive you. And you're going to be okay. And he said a lot of more things to Peter that we don't know what he said because we don't have that information here. But what we do know is by Peter's life, he lived a life for Christ all the time. And it's an example for us. It doesn't matter if it's Peter or if it's Pastor Rick or whoever it is. All of us have that same ability to follow the words of Jesus. It's not exclusive to Peter, apostles, you know, or, or pastors. It's for each person. It's each one of us. And Peter had a special relationship with Jesus. There's no doubt. But we can have that same relationship. When we get to heaven, there's not going to be a head of the line. There's not going to be, oh, nope, this person comes to the head of the line first before you. We're all equal in the love that Jesus shares with us. And his salvation is equal for each of us. There, there isn't a better salvation for some people than there is for another. I, I'm, I may have misspoke. There is a better salvation for some of us. For those that are willing to receive the salvation of Jesus Christ and apply it to their lives, the more 
we receive and the more forgiveness we apply to our lives, the more grace we receive, the more mercy we receive, it's a better salvation, I think. But we're all saved. So for me, I know how much I needed to be forgiven of. I know how much grace I needed. And you guys are probably much nicer than me. But when God forgave me, I know how much he had to give to forgive me. I know how much grace I needed. And it's still a daily pouring out of grace. And that's the same for all of you. So there's no privilege. We're all loved the same. And we're all saved the same. Amen?